Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful and so thankful for this privilege to speak the Word of God. It's the greatest privilege of my life is to be a representative, an ambassador for you. And I ask, Lord, today that you would give to each of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the, ex- <coughs> what is the exceeding greatness of, <coughs> of your power to usward who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality power might and dominion and every name that's named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that fills all in all. Amen. 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 I pray that over you every day. I trust you'll pray, pray it over yourself. If you don't have anything stronger than this, why would we did we bother? No, I'm kidding. I don't drink. I don't want to start any rumors. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Well, today... I was joking about the everlasting gospel. I thought, thought about a, a joke I heard a fellow tell about an old Puritan preacher. The Puritans were known for being extremely long-winded. Their sermons were very, very long. So one of well, the old Puritan preachers, he had a sermon of 14 points on Sunday morning. And, of course, everybody was just worn out. And so uh, that night, they come back then for a night service. And so he told the people, he apologized that he went so long. He said, I had so many points this morning. He said, so therefore tonight's sermon will be pointless. (laughs) So I don't want to be pointless, but I don't have 14 either. Praise the Lord. I want to start out by asking you a question, and it has much to do with what I'm going to talk about. So if it seems irrelevant at first, uh, if you stay with me, you'll find it's not. But the question is this. Can you imagine building a house without a power saw? Now, I know that people used to do that. Before the days of electricity, before the days of power tools, houses were built. But can you imagine in 2022 that you would try to build a house but not use a power saw? It just really doesn't make sense, does it? We know that having and using the proper tools for a job can make a significant difference in the ease of the job, how easy it is to do it. It can make a significant difference, in some cases, in the quality of the job. And certainly, it can make a huge difference in how long it takes. So with that in mind, we understand we would not attempt to build a house without power tools. We just wouldn't do it. Well, I want to submit to you today that the gifts and ministries, ministry gifts, so we'll just put them all under that umbrella because they are all gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are the tools that God has given to the church. 
Not the only tools in our toolbox, but they are in there. And when I think about this, I realize that at least part of the explanation as to why the church in some cases and in some places seems to be so ineffective, progress so slow, and it seems so difficult to fulfill our assignments and commissions. One of the reasons that's true in many cases is because the church, not, not always knowingly, but yet even without fully understanding what they're doing, they're refusing in many quarters, in many cases, to use the tools that God has given. If I were the devil, I would want to make sure that I clouded the issue up. I would want to cloud and muddy the waters. I would want to try to convince people they don't need these tools, that we're modern people, we're educated people. We have this vast uh, thing called the Internet where you can look up all this stuff and you do know if it's on the Internet, it has to be true, right? And, you know, that you can do all this research and all this kind of thing. And the truth is, people today, not everybody, and I'm certainly not talking about you in particular, but so many people today, they give no thought to the supernatural. Many even ridicule it. They just, they just don't even think. It doesn't even enter their mind to believe God for a divine intervention. To believe God for a miracle. To believe God to, to do what man can't do. To fix things that man cannot fix. But the truth is, the gifts of the Spirit are part of God's remedy for the problems of life. They are part of the arsenal of spiritual weapons, we might say, that we can use if you want to look at them in that way. And they certainly are the tools, part of the tools that God has given us to be effective. And one of the distinguishing characteristics of a New Testament church, and I, I'm talking about a true New Testament church, is that those of us in that kind of a church believe, based on Scripture, that all the gifts and all the ministries of the Holy Spirit that are found in the New Testament are, number one, needed still, and they are available still today. And, I'll go a step further, they are available until Jesus comes back for the church. He didn't start us on one track and then after X number of years say, Man, we're not going to do this like that anymore. I mean, after all, you all have got some college hours. You have got a few degrees, you know. Uh, somebody learned Hebrew. Somebody learned Greek or whatever. And I'm not against any of that. You know, we're not anti-education. We're not pro-ignorance. That's for sure. But there is no substitute for the supernatural. There's just no substitute for it. And... I have experienced in my life, I've been in ministry just actually Friday, this coming Friday, will be 42 years of full-time ministry. And I have, amen, I do thank God for that. <laughs> July the 1st, 1980, we left our job and, uh, and, and that was our first day of full-time ministry. And I found in four decades that uh, you just cannot 
get the job done that needs to be done without the supernatural. You might gather a large group of people, and that's admirable. You may get some recognition from the media, and that's okay, I guess. You might get some uh, uh, civic leaders, governmental leaders, political leaders that know who you are and occasionally show up at a service, you know, to make sure everybody votes for them or whatever they do that for. And that may happen, and I'm not saying that's totally wrong, but I'm just saying none of those kinds of things will get the Great Commission done. And the church has wandered so far from these kinds of, of uh, operations and from this kind of thinking that now, if you talk about these things, you're almost in some quarters labor, labeled a heretic. People have meetings where they devote large amounts of time to talking about why they believe that people like you are kind of crazy and that God doesn't really do all of that today and that people who are sick and people who are in need they shouldn't be expecting the supernatural I mean I heard a, a guy who at the time that he wasn't in this position but later on he would become in this position and, and until he retired uh, a seminary president and a, a wonderful gifted speaker really a great teacher in many ways but I heard, him go, I heard him on radio one day going through the book of James and he was teaching on the book of James and he got to chapter 5 and about the anointing with oil. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And so he began to do his explanation of that passage and he was teaching and you know I was listening. I had my radio on in my car that day and I was listening and I don't know how many Thousands of other people across the nation would have heard this because this was, would be a nationwide type broadcast. And his explanation of that passage was that that's what they did in James's day, but that the anointing with oil in today's terminology is medical science. In other words, he was saying uh, we've, we've exchanged that rite or ritual of anointing with oil and praying the prayer of faith, we've, we've exchanged that for uh, going to the doctor. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but if I ask the question, we might be shocked at how many people would put their hand up if I ask you how many people went to the doctor and you're still battling something. If that is God's divine substitute, then it should work. And I'm thinking, too, about uh, this guy, a very smart guy, smarter than me, much more educated than I am. But I'm thinking, how did he miss that point that says it was the prayer of faith that saved the sick? It wasn't the oil. That was symbolic, and that's fine. And we do that, you know, from time to time as people would request that and want it or we feel led to do. We do that. We have oil here, over there, so, some in a bottle. But it's not the oil that heals. It was the prayer of faith. And what does the prayer of faith imply? That implies the supernatural. That implies I, I didn't do it. I've just made a connection with the one who could do it. Hallelujah. And so we could give you lots of examples about how people try to build their house, the spiritual house. They try to build the church without the power tools. But that's not the plan of God. So we believe 
that these gifts are available. And I want today, because, you know, I, uh, I'm, at some point we're going to wrap this up. Now, we've been talking about why Pentecost so many weeks now. I've forgotten what week it is. Does anybody know what number this is? 18. Wow. It's a long time. But we've got a lot of good information along the way. And we've still got a little more to go, but we're closer to the end than we were. <laughs> but I do want today to do something that I've not yet done, and that is I want to read from the uh, epistles. I want to read the various listings of gifts and ministries that you find. And I want to do them just bang, 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 run right after the other so you can see how, how really diverse and how thorough God's provision for us really is. Before I read again, I want to say that all these have the supernatural involved. None of these are natural on their own. Uh, the, you know, none of these are just something you just choose to do uh, you know, if, if you just wanted to do it and then you make yourself a prophet or an apostle or whatever. That's not the way this works. But I do want you to read because I want you to see the diversities of these things that God has. So let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 4. And we'll read, and as I said, we're going to just read on some more in the 12th chapter. We're going to then go to Ephesians 4 and then to Romans 12. And I believe the Lord's going to help me not to get bogged down on any one point. We want this to be a pointless... No, I'm kidding. We want, we want, this to, we want our points to be the ones God wants us to make. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of ministries but the same Lord. And there are diversities of, opera, of activities, rather. but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Notice it's not wisdom, but the word of wisdom, a specific part. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. That's wonder-working faith, special faith. To another, gifts of healings. Both words in the plural, that's correct. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But... One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Skip down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles which we, say, we have said before, uh, you can think evangelist. Then gifts of healings. Both those gifts are constituted in the evangelistic office. Helps. I don't know if you've ever thought about helps as being a ministry that God gives that's anointed by the Spirit, but the Word says it is. Administrations. Varieties of tongues. 
And then he asked the rhetorical question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? The, the answer, of course, no. And what he's meaning there is, do all have a public ministry in these areas? We know that when we were baptized in the Spirit, we spoke with tongues. That's what they did in the book of Acts. That's what happened to me, I know. That's what happened to so many of you. And so this is obviously talking about tongues in a ministerial setting, tongues in a public ministry setting, not just praying or worshiping. Now let's skip over to Ephesians 4. And I haven't completely met my goal of reading this without talking, but I think I'm doing pretty good for knowing me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, I do want to stop here for just a minute. It's very important to understand that these are gifts. And gifts are a product of grace. So we don't earn these, and we don't buy these, and we'll never pay God enough for them to uh, put him into our debt. So this is a grace issue, meaning that it is a decision of God as to what we are gifted for, what our calling may be. Our destiny is not something we just decide. Our destiny is that which we discover. And it's something that is based on the call of God. So verse 2 says, or verse 8 rather, says, Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He's quoting from Psalms there, of course. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He's speaking of the, the work of Jesus in redemption. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill, fill all things. Verse 11, this is important. And he gave, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. That's the fivefold ministry gifts, of, as we call them. These would be ministers that would stand behind pulpits, that would teach and preach and declare truth. These would be in their highest manifestation. In the, maybe I could say it this way, in their ultimate manifestation, these would be full-time ministry positions. These would be people, these gifts are people giving their life, their whole life, to that particular ministry office that they're called to. Why do we have these? And, and please also remember this. When you read these lists, keep, keep it all together in your thinking. It's the same Holy Spirit inspiring actually the same human writer. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He wrote to the Ephesians. And in a moment we get to Romans, he wrote the book of Romans. So it's the same Holy Spirit, same human author. So all of these are connected. So we can learn things in each of these lists that we can apply to some of the other lists and get a really good, rounded, well-rounded picture of what God is trying to do. And so why do we have these? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. We don't have these gifts so that we can have a star among us. This is not about celebrity preachers. This is not about the big I and the little you. This is not about uh, one person that really knows God and really has an, uh, the inside track to God and everybody else needs to talk to them to get on their good side so they can get them to go to God for them. That's not what this is about at all. This is about gifts that God gives to the body of Christ to, to uh, uh, edify 
the body of Christ and equip the, the body of Christ for the work of ministry. So what does that mean? That means that all of us, you and me, are called to the work of ministry. I don't have the same uh, job that you have and you don't have the same job I have. It's not about titles and it's not about necessarily what the job is except that I just need to know what mine is and do mine. I need to stay in my lane, by the way. So you know, if you come here to church very long, uh, thank you, by the way, if you do, but if you come here very long, you know that there are certain Things that, you know, maybe we mentioned in passing, we might get into on the edges, but, you know, there, there are certain things we're very strong on, we keep coming back to again and again and again, and there are other things maybe that we don't say a whole lot about. And why is that? Is it because I'm too lazy to learn something else? No, it's because I know where my lane is. You know, I, I'm not an I'm not a expert on end-time prophecies. And I'm not against that kind of teaching. I'm not saying I'll never do any teaching on the subject. But somebody made the statement one time, and I kind of agree with it, that they were a pan-millennialist. It'll all pan out. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me. Thank you, Jeremy, for the sound effects. No. But... I have my beliefs, and I'll teach and preach as I need to and what the Lord leads me to do. But, but the point is, I know where my lane is. I know where my lane is, and so I want to stay in my lane. Because one of these days, it's true of me and it's true of each of you, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to stand before Jesus, the head of the church, and he is not going to ask you about the person that's seated next to you today. He's not going to ask you about the person seated behind you. He's going to ask you to give an account of your life and your ministry. And I don't know how much you think about this, but I, I, you know, as you get older, I think it's probably wise that we would think more about it. One of the things that, one of my goals is to hear him say, well done. Well done. I don't want him to look at me from that, uh, judgment seat. I don't want him to look at me and say, well, I want him to say, well done. Well, you know, he can't lie. So he can't say well done if we haven't done well. What is doing well from Jesus' point of view? It's doing what he says. Well, Lord, I thought this would be better. This seemed to be easier. It was cheaper. Uh, yeah, that's not going to fly. There's almost nothing the Lord has ever, of any major consequence, the Lord has ever asked Glenn and me to do in ministry that we had the money to do it when he told us, that we could afford it when he told us. I keep telling this story because I just like to magnify Jesus, but I'm thinking about how that the Lord has blessed us to be at this point. And all those years ago, we had 17 cents in the bank, in the church treasury. We had 17 cents in November of 1990. And today, we owe no man anything here. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And the more we give away, the more we sow, the more we have. <laughs> 
It's a whole lot better than 17 cents in the bank, I can tell you that. But, but you've got to understand that, that many times the Lord is going to lead you and direct you to do things and to stretch you to believe for things that your mind's going to go tilt on. And your brain's going to say, I don't see how that can work. And I think somehow God must sit in the heavens and laugh at that. I think he must smile that we're finally getting it. I can't do it. I can't make it happen. I can't manipulate people and make it happen. I can't pull enough strings. I can't work enough hours. I can't make it happen. But I have a father who can absolutely make it happen. Hallelujah. So that's one reason it is so important that we stay in our lane, that we find our place, and that we understand we are called for the work of ministry. We're called to give away what we have. If you never give any of this away, as Taylor did so great on Wednesday night teaching us, then you're not sowing in the area of the Word. And if you feel like maybe things have dried up a bit in your life with the Lord, your walk with God, maybe... When you read your Bible, you open your Bible, it doesn't seem so alive. Maybe you don't feel like you're getting uh, the quality of revelation that you used to get. It doesn't seem like there's that uh, nearness, the presence of the Lord. You know, we know He's inside. Legally, we're born again. We know all that. But we're just somehow, you know, we're just kind of off the game here. You might check on your sowing. And I don't mean just money. You might want to check on your sowing. What of the Word are you giving away? Why would the Lord give us more if we're not even using what we have? Amen? So when the Lord stirs you in the produce aisle, when you hear somebody puffing and blowing and complaining, you know, you don't have to go far to hear people complaining nowadays. I mean, know that. I mean, you can hear it everywhere. Somebody's griping about something everywhere you go. When the Lord stirs you to say, you know, I, I know the answer to that. I know what your mind's going to say. I'm going to get slapped. But you know what? When you give people Jesus, I know there's some hard heads and some people that don't want to hear it and they can get ugly. But most people want hope. Most people really need change so desperately that they'll listen. So the work of ministry. The work of ministry. And the work of ministry here isn't just talking about what these five ministry gifts do. The work of ministry is not just what pastors do or evangelists do or prophets do or apostles do or teachers do. This is talking about these gifts help equip the saints to do all the work of the ministry. And most of the work of the ministry is done outside the church walls. Amen. How long are these gifts given? Till we, all come into the till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or a mature man or a complete man. This doesn't mean a person with no flaws. It's talking about a mature person. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's the kind of church the Lord's coming for. So it's really ludicrous, actually, to think that the church of the latter days would be less powerful and less supernatural than the church of the early days when he's coming after a church that stands in the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's quite a, quite a mouthful. Let's go to Romans. 
Hallelujah. And see, it's from about this point on that you get to thinking, where's a good place to stop? So when you say, get behind me, Satan. And uh, no, I'm kidding. Let's, uh, let's start with verse 4. Romans, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 4. Again, here's another list, comprehensive list really, of ministries that are given. And so we read um, in verse number 4, For as we have many members in one body... So you notice the similar terminology Paul's using, the Holy Spirit trying to get the same message to the, to the Roman believers, to the Corinthian believers, to the Ephesian believers. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. I want to stop just a minute. Everybody's not going to do it the way you do it. Everybody's not going to do what you do. One of our biggest problems is trying to put everybody in our box to make them like us. We already have one of you. Why do we need another? I mean, if the Lord was going to give us duplicates, why wouldn't he have duplicated Moses? Why wouldn't he have duplicated Elijah? Why wouldn't he have duplicated David? Why wouldn't he have duplicated Isaiah? Why wouldn't he have duplicated the Apostle Paul? You get the, the picture. But that's not how he works. And so we all individually do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And though we are different and we have our own individual assignments and we are anointed of God for our purpose, it has to fit. You know, I'm not a big fan of, um, of uh, jigsaw puzzles. And don't, don't get angry at me for what I'm saying here, but I mean, I just, to me, it's a waste of time. I mean, even after you get done, it may be the most beautiful picture in the world, but it's got all these squigglies all in it. I mean, I don't, I don't see the sense of that. <laughs> Drop your rocks. But anyway, um, the only way those puzzles work is if you get the right piece in the right, right place. And if you notice, you can't you know, you can try to make it fit where it doesn't fit, that little piece, but it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And that's exactly the way we are in the body of Christ. The world over, and that's also true in an individual church body, a church family like this church. I don't have the same shape that you have, and you don't have the same shape I have. And really, there's just one place you fit. There's one place I fit. For all these years, this is where I have fit. I mean, I would be so out of place anywhere else. And because I'd be out of place, I wouldn't be happy. And if I wasn't happy, then probably Glenna wouldn't be happy. And then we got real problems. <laughs> Amen. But you understand, part of satisfaction, if I can use that word, part of fulfillment, part of joy, part of being able to live life day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and, and keep your joy is to be the right peace in the right place. Amen. And so we are members one of another. Look at your neighbor and say, we're together. We're together. Verse 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Notice the similar terminology of Ephesians 4. 
These are gifts. This is grace. This is not us earning anything. Uh, we don't buy it. We don't deserve it, but God graces us. And if we will develop it, of course, and cooperate with Him, then it will grow and bring great blessing. But uh, we don't decide on our own. We, d- we discover as we come into His presence. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in, accord- in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, this is serving. If you look this word up, you'll find that this is the word that's used when it talks about deacons in the church. This is the word that you would relate to in modern terms probably in helps. Serving. Serving. Not lording. Not ruling. There's a place where we rule and reign with Christ. But it's not over each other in the body of Christ. We serve. Ministry, serving. He says, let us use it to our, uh, our, I'm sorry, in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. Do you know you can be an exhorter and not necessarily be a pastor? There are people who are wonderful exhorters, but that doesn't mean they need to quit their job and hit the road as an evangelist. But they're wonderful exhorters. And we need exhorters. And you know, you can exhort in the hallway as well as in the pulpit. Amen. So, you know, if you'll really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, there are going to be times He's going to just encourage you to go up and encourage somebody. Exhort them to fulfill their their call. Exhort them to run their race. And sometimes in our head we're thinking, well, you know, they got it together. I mean, look at them. They're doing really good. They don't need me to say anything to them. You might be shocked at how desperate they are at that moment that somebody would speak to them and encourage them in what they're doing. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and that's not talking about liberal in a political sense. That's talking about generously. Generously. There are people who are, now we're all givers, we're all, we all need to be tithers and givers, but there are those who have a supernatural ability in the area of giving. They just, uh, that's part of their anointing. And so that, that plays back into the way that they do their business, that it plays back into maybe their career, their, their business opportunities or whatever. And they have the opportunity and the ability to give over and above what maybe others would do. And so, uh, you know, that would be one that would be fun to have, wouldn't it? Well, nobody says anything. I struck out on that one. All right. He who leads with diligence. So there's, there's an anointing and a ministry for leadership. And it's to be done with diligence, not nonchalantly, not haphazardly, not off again, on again, but diligence. There's no blessing for laziness. Thank you for two amens. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. One translation renders that. It may be a paraphrase, but anyway, it gives us some good idea. The sick visitor. People who go into situations and show mercy. And there are just some people so good at that. You know, Glenna is a great person with mercy. I joke her sometimes because she's... Sometimes she'll start telling me about something, and, and I know this sounds 
crass, but you just got to understand, you know, I'm a smart aleck. Um, and, I'll, and before she gets done, I'll say, and I guess you feel sorry for her. She says, yes. And she'll read some story about somebody she doesn't even know, not even close to. They're not even a hundred miles of us. And I can tell it touches her. And that's wonderful. And you see, I, on the other hand, I need that. I need to be tempered because I can really be hard-headed. <laughs> Whoever said that is right. Now, we read through all these lists, and I'm out of time. But what I want you to see is there is a vast, rich, and varied ministry that is the ministry of Jesus. Because all of these things we just read about, all of those are a part of the ministry of Jesus. If you can imagine, and it's true, Jesus did all those things. He had the ability to function in every one of those things. He was the ultimate minister. And his ministry was so rich, diverse, and varied, and powerful that no one human could get it all done. So he had to divide it up like that uh, jigsaw puzzle, 500 pieces. Well, he had to divide it up in more than 500 pieces. And he gave you a piece, he gave you a piece, he gave me a piece. And when we all are together as we're supposed to be, where we're supposed to be, functioning in our unction, our anointing, that's when great things happen. That's when lives are blessed, lives are changed. And listen carefully. I'm not just trying to appeal to someone's selfishness, but you do need to know this because you want to use your faith for it. That's when you're going to be the most blessed. That's when the best things happen for you. It's when you're connected and you're being a blessing. And as we say around here a lot, and it's so true, you get involved with God's business, He gets involved with your business. And you might be wondering, what's the key to that wayward child turning around? What's the key to a less than great marriage becoming a really great marriage? What's the key to my financial situation turning around till I'm not always, as we say, a day late and a dollar short? What's the key to my business growing? Or what's the key to my future success? Get involved with God's business. We all fit somewhere in these lists. And what I, I have notes here on this iPad. You can see I'm, a, I'm about here. And I got all the rest of that stuff. That's next week. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father God, for your word. Thank you for helping us find our place, helping us to fit. And Lord, we thank you for the supernatural. Lord, in our uh, desire to be timely and not go too long, we have quickly read over some of these words and verses that have such potential and such power. Because, Lord, you have a way to meet every need. You have a pathway for healing and deliverance for every person in need. So now, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for every person who's heard me and heard your word today. And I believe, Lord, that you will make this word clear and real to every person. 
And Father, as we seek your face, as we pray, as we go to the word, as we continue to fellowship with believers and come back again and again to worship, I thank you, Lord, that piece by piece, you are revealing your purpose and plan. Step by step, you're leading us. We know you take pleasure when we walk by faith and not by sight. And so, Lord, we're willing to take the next step. We're willing to go on. Just show us what it is, where it is, and I know you'll strengthen us to do it. And we commit to doing it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, earlier we received communion, and I hope that you heard something that was said that it was a point of contact to receive our healing. I hope you received. And if you didn't, you can receive right now. Say, Lord, it's mine. I take it. We believe in the laying on of hands. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Obviously, we're teaching about them. Every service isn't the same. And I've learned a long time ago, in 40 years, one thing I have learned is you can't do everything every service. Sometimes on Wednesday night, we have the most powerful times of laying on of hands. Sometimes we do that on Sundays. Different times for different things. But today there was a message for the church. I hope you heard it. And I know that I'll go very slowly. I know that, you know, you're probably thinking that, you know, I've heard all of this. But we needed to hear it again. And so I trust you're blessed. I mean, Matt, come on.